Before I get started on today's CSG, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazi, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right smack dab in the middle of the brand new bustling dairy block. Uh, really, it's a great place. It's a really pretty place for a night out. And I mean, let me tell you something. It's like 55 outside right now. And like the next couple of days, I mean, on Saturday, it's supposed to be like 70. Get out and enjoy um, your time outside in this beautiful fall, fall weather. I mean, we had like uh, snowstorms last week and now it's 70, only in Colorado. Um, anyway, the Blanchard is like my favorite place in Colorado to get wine. Um, and I spent a lot of time in Grand Junction. Uh, Pinot, uh, cabs, Rieslings, white blends, anything that you really can think of, they have. And it's all from their own vineyards in the Russian River Valley in California that was thankfully saved uh, in during the last uh, wildfire, fly, wildfire, wildfires in Cal- California. So that was really good. Great experience, great staff, great all-around vibe. Uh, just If you're going into the milk market and uh, you want to chill out with some wine afterwards, Blanchard is the place to go. Once again, they are located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block just a couple blocks away from Coors Field. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, I've got some things I want to get off my chest today, and it's going to be interesting because the Nuggets have won two in a row, but yet I feel that there's something, just something amiss here, and it's been bugging me. Um, it's been bugging me to the extent that I, I really think we need to seriously address the elephant in the room, and I'm not meaning that in any ironic way. And we're going to deal with uh, two people. We're going to deal with Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone. Uh, I kind of hammered Malone on my last podcast, but this is about a different thing. Um, this is not about this is not about approach. This is about style uh, on this episode. But I really kind of want to talk about Nikola Jokic. Um, there, it, it occurred to me last night watching him shrug his way through another subpar game that he does is one of those guys that does not realize his body language affects the rest of the team and thank god for Jamal Murray um Nikola Nikola Jokic my perception of him I could be wrong about this but my perception of him is that he is a guy that needs to have fun and when you go through an 82-game grind, not everything is going to be fun. Um, obviously, the, Nikola's got some things in his life that are pretty heavy right now. Uh, his brother's going through some pretty intense legal battles right now. And uh, look, if you looked at the charges, uh, it ain't pretty. And if he did what he did, it's not looking good for uh, Strainia. And... Strenia is pretty close to Nicola. Well, both of his brothers are. And you can imagine going through this and having to play through a season and to carry that burden with you. I completely understand it. But part two of it is, it's just his, he just looks like a, 
okay, just take this in the way that it's intended. He just looks like a schlub out there. You know, he is, his body language is dreadful, just absolutely dreadful. And it affects the team. Um, there was a moment in the game and in the fourth quarter where um, obviously there's zero chemistry between Nikola Jokic and Tori Craig. None. Um, for whatever reason that is, I could go and I could do a whole podcast about why that is. Nikola kind of did a one of his dump off passes, and it really wasn't the greatest pass in the world. In fact, it was a lazy ass pass, is what it was. But Tory Craig made a dumb cut. I mean, he just he cut when he shouldn't have done it. And Nikola Jokic was looking at him a lot, looking in the way that you know he would that if he was passing. And it went behind him, and it was a turnover. Just the ball just drifted out of bounds, and Nikola just kind of threw his hands down and went the other way. And you could tell it pissed him off, and it just it just looked awful. And when your best player behaves in a way sulky manner, it is really hard to get anything cohesive done. Um, and for the better part of the, you know, seven games so far this year, Nikola Jokic has been sulky. And it, moving his familial issues aside, um, that is a big, big drag on this team. Uh, we've all are used to uh, Nikola Jokic going through these periods. We are. Um, it happens once or twice a year, maybe even three times, where he has a sulky, sulky games, a sulky period of time. This is starting to get prolonged because it really began at the beginning of the year, even though he was performing well. He is, he is clearly not having fun, and it is affecting the way the other team, the, the team plays because he is like, as, as uh, my friend Adam Marez always says, he is uh, the gravity of this team. And when you have something like that, it's it, He can drag you down, particularly when he's not engaged and he's being, and he's, his passes are half-assed and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's not destructive. And I don't think this is terminal, but it's annoying because he's better than that. You know, the best players can be cons- consistent on their off days. And Jokic has yet to achieve that. His ability to be a, even when he's not on, be on stage of his star status. Um, when he's not feeling it, uh, everyone in 18,000 people in the arena know it. Um, and he needs to get to the point where if he's having an off day, he has an off day, but he still has a good day. And I think that part is yet to come in. Now, the family stuff, you can't help him. He's going to have to go through that on his own. Um, And it sucks. Uh, But he's going to have to go through that on his own. And I have no idea if it's affecting him that way. But just looking at me as a human being, uh, if I'm going to be, you know, a a member of my family, look, my brother is going through leukemia right now, and it's extremely distracting. It's extremely all-consuming. You don't realize how much it consumes your entire family and your entire way of being. I'm sure 
Jokic's whole family is going through the same thing right now, um, regardless of what happened. And I'm going to move that aside because if the charges against Strainia are true and proven to be true, it's pretty bad. Um, I, you, you're, if you're dealing with that, <clears throat> and if you are a relative of that person, it's, it's gotta be, it's consuming. It's all consuming and it's hard to overcome a family member's troubles. And I think Jokic, if it was me, I would be having the same trouble. I really would. It takes a strong person to push that aside, specifically when you're in the public spotlight. It really is. And, and I think the next few days, particularly, you know, uh, he'll be playing Joel Embiid in his next game on, on uh, Friday. And it will be, uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how he shows up and what he does. Because uh, that's going to go a long way to talking about what, you know, the way Jokic kind of approaches this early part of the season. I'm hoping he gets it together or at least can raise his floor on his bad games to where it just doesn't obviously affect the rest of the team because they really do feed off of him and this team is constructed around him. And when he has got those games, now the Nuggets won last night and they won by 20. So, hey, maybe they found the formula. Maybe the Nuggets found the formula to, to be that good without Nikola Jokic being fully engaged because they could be an elite team when he's there and he's there fully. We'll see how they navigate that. Okay, part two. Um, towards the end of the game, uh, it, it was when you're sitting up on where we sit in on the press aisle, um, you got a unique perspective of what you can see from that vantage point. We don't hear everything, but we can see it. And it was deeply troubling how increasingly emotional Michael Malone got in the fourth quarter in a game where the Nuggets led by 26. Um, that's, it, was, it, was, it was one of those things where if you, didn't, if you didn't know Michael Malone, you would think that something was seriously wrong. Um, there is, to my eye, there's no, I mean, you can be upset that your team is playing loose, but at, he left his starters in till three minutes left in the game when the Nuggets were up well over 20 points over the Miami Heat. And uh, there was a point where he was seriously, at that point, risking injury to his starters. Gary Harris was already out. Gary Harris turned an ankle. Paul Millsap was already out. Paul Millsap got his skull cracked uh, on a flagrant foul by Myers Leonard. Um... You were down those two guys, you're up 26 points, and you leave your starters in. And it was just a bad look. It was not only a bad look, it was a horrible look. And I, one of my big, I shouldn't call it complaints, but one of my big issues with Michael Malone has been that the, lack of a better term, hot-headedness has struggled to dissipate. And... I don't mind him being upset that the team was playing kind of loose and not focused uh, when they got that big lead. Uh, my complaint is reacting to it in a way that could result in injury to your team. Uh, and when you can't afford to be down more starters. Uh, it 
it's, you can't do that. It's just not, it's not something a coach should do. And I don't think that Michael Malone, it, it, I will give him credit in, to, a large, to a large extent for improving his overall outlook. Uh, and improving his, um, like, yes, he still takes rage timeouts, but he has cut down on them. No longer does he until last night. Last night, he took a timeout with a minute left, and the Nuggets were up by 20. I, it was it was <laughs> a minute 27, I think. And it was kind of not appropriate. Um, plus, you're sending a bad signal to the opposing team. The Nuggets got to play the Heat again. The Nuggets have to play the Heat again. What do you think the Heat were thinking watching this this thing? What do you think they will? And just like, okay, you're going to leave your starters in when you're up twenty. Okay, all right, let's 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 do this. All right, and and well, the Nuggets were very very fortunate. I'll say Malone was very fortunate that no starters got injured. Um, you hope at this point that Michael Malone learns from this event. Uh, I will be blunt and say there's no call for it, and he was really, really risking the, the health of this team. And I understand you make you make a point in practice. The Nuggets got two days off. No, three days off. Well, it's like, yeah, Wednesday and Thursday. They have Wednesday and Thursday off. And then they play Friday. Uh, address your th- concerns in practice. Do not do this. Um, there is no reason to ostensibly lose control emotionally in a game like that. And you've got to be better. Michael Malone... I think, and he did uh, fess up to it at the end, and he said he said he shouldn't have, and when he uh, talked to us in the media afterwards, he said, I shouldn't have left them in. And that was good. That was a good recognition. But where he didn't address was the emotional, the overwrought emotions that led him to that point. Uh, you could see him getting more and more upset. You could see it just, he couldn't, he just, it, whatever was there, he couldn't stop. And going forward, if he's going to be an elite coach, he's going to have to control that. Period. You just can't let your emotions get to you that way, where you risk injury to your players by leaving them in in a game where you're leading by almost 30. In the fourth quarter. You just can't do that. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the latest Mortcast. Uh, I'll be back soon. Um, Hopefully with uh, less hot takes and more positivity. (laughs) I'll be talking to you guys later. Bye-bye.